This is Living While Dying, an ALS story from Minnesota Public Radio News. I'm Kathy Werzer. Anyone who has severe arthritis or perhaps has had a broken leg or arm or finds themselves using a wheelchair because of a more serious injury or permanent disability will tell you it takes a lot of time to complete the daily tasks associated with living, from getting out of bed to getting dressed to trying to leave the house. It's a Disney production. That's Bruce Kramer. At this point in our series of radio conversations, Bruce had been living with ALS, or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, since December of 2010. We were just into January of 2014 when we sat in his small den, surrounded by books in his desktop computer. We had been working on sifting through hundreds of family photos, carefully putting them into electronic folders, making notations for his young granddaughter. It had been bitterly cold, a typically snowy, windy Minnesota winter to that point. Bruce had been battling a variety of annoying colds and low-grade infections. Now that he had recovered, I wondered whether he had any urge to go out and see a movie or go to dinner, or was it simply easier to stay home? We have to strap me to my chair, and um, then we have to strap me into the van. There are certain ways of covering me, and I put on a neck brace because... My neck is so weak, and it takes 20 minutes to get me ready to go. Then I have to get out of the van, and all of that has to be undone, and then it all has to be redone, and then it all has to be undone again. So to go someplace, you're looking at 60 to 80 minutes of getting ready to go someplace, get there, and then come home. That's really tiring for me. I really have to gauge my energy now to decide whether or not that's something I want to do to be out. So more and more visitors would come to Bruce. At a certain point, visitors had to get on a schedule to see him. He'd entertained many people from longtime friends and colleagues to students writing doctoral dissertations to leaders in the Minnesota healthcare industry. Bruce, in spite of ALS, was a very busy man. But while he enjoyed the visits, something would bother him. I don't know if it's as easy for people to accept that I continue to change. And if you have not seen me in a month, I'm different. You, you will see physically manifestations of difference. Or if you haven't seen me in two weeks, chances are good that you'll see those manifestations of difference. And for the most part, I think people handle that pretty well. But sometimes I can catch it. I hear it in their voices. I come from a background where you listen hard to people. And you don't always listen to what they say, but how they say it. And I don't want to cause people to be upset. And so I think that's hard. Have you run into people? I bet you have. I know you have in the past few years, but even recently were folks who have not seen you say, oh, you're looking good. And how do you respond to something like that? I always thank them. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You For the most part, people ask, um, how are you doing? And you have learned to ask me, how is your heart? Because if you ask me, how am I doing? Not really well, you know, I mean, look at this. (laughs) As you've said to me, I have ALS. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. And, and my answer for how are you doing is, it's complicated, you know, aside from the ALS, I'm doing pretty well. But ALS is, um, it's a real butt kicker. <laughs> so 
Um, can we say butt kicker on NPR? Sure we can. Okay. Yeah. It lays you out. And, and so um, it is complicated. And the connection between the body that you have and the way that you feel is, is palpable. I don't disconnect my mind from my body, and I don't disconnect my, my feelings from my body. And so there are always little moments um, that are hanging around the corner of um, regret because I realize I can't do that. It was around the latter parts of January into February of 2014 when Bruce also noticed another shift. One of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is um, how quiet I've been feeling. The quiet part is um, very introspective. It's very graceful. And I can't say that it's not pleasant. It's actually very nice. I'm sleeping a lot. Something like 10 to 12 hours with naps in between. Kramer says he's almost always just a little bit tired, and sometimes the fatigue is overwhelming. You know, whereas I think I could hang in with people for two or three hours at one point, now I hang in for an hour or hour and a half. I have no choice. My body just says, that's it, you're done, go to sleep. Of course, it makes me wonder if I'm in a new phase now with ALS, and the chances are good that I probably am. Because of his dwindling reserves of energy, Bruce has been careful in choosing what he has the time and stamina to do. Sometimes in the fog of fatigue, Kramer will find little reminders of what he's lost that can still wound. An example, a recent visit by a close friend. And uh, he got up to leave, and he put his coat on. And I felt a catch in my throat. Now, why would I feel a catch in my throat watching him put his coat on? I don't put coats on. Coats are too complicated. And I depend on somebody else to do it because my arms don't work, my legs don't work. You know, those things are always hanging. And then you kind of go, now, come on. That's not where we live anymore. And I move myself back into the present. This has got to be difficult for you. There are layers and layers and layers, these little moments that come up. That has to, I would think, kind of weigh on your mind at a certain point. Of course it does. You know, I think just as learning to play a musical instrument or learning to ride a horse or learning a profession, learning a, a particular hobby, it takes practice and discipline to do it correctly. ALS is like that. ALS requires me to practice. And part of the practice is um, the discipline of living in the moment. And it is a discipline. That doesn't mean that I don't slip and project too far into the future or fall back too far into the past. We've talked in the past about how remaining engaged is important to you, but how does that happen then when you're in this new space? I think it's a different energy. It may be that engagement looks different. It may be that being engaged, you know, where before it was the patter of good conversation, the fun of joking and that type of thing. Not that I don't want to do that, but the energy that I have is much more 
being energy and not doing energy. It might very well be sitting with a friend and just holding hands in the quiet. Kramer says while he once tried to engage life fully as he used to know it, he now realizes it's important to engage with his life as it is. That means he's happy to just be with a friend or simply sit and think, dozing on and off or listening to music. I find that music is more expressive, is more communicative of how I feel and in some ways of who I am than the words that I write or the words that I say. The words seem really bounded right now and the music that I listen to feels much broader and bigger and it feels like me. What are you listening to? I am listening to everything. I have been listening to um, a really great recording of the Bach B minor mass that has one person on a part. And at the same time, the uh, Who album, Tommy, was just released on a remaster, and it's incredible. At the same time, I've been listening to uh, Herbie Hancock, and at the same time, I've been listening to uh, various and sundry choral music. And then I throw in a little piano music. I'm still a little confused about what this means and what you're experiencing and how it kind of fits into the overall picture. You know, I'm a little confused about what it means, too. It feels like dialing back the noise. It feels like turning down the amplitude. It feels like going gentle. I'm finding in this space some of the best times that I've had. You know, it's not go, go, go. It's not get out there and do things. The space that I want to occupy keeps getting smaller and smaller, and I don't mind. I I thought I would, but I don't mind. In the research I've done, depression can be a big problem with many people who have ALS. Is this what you potentially are looking at, or something else? I'm not depressed. I've seen depression, and I... I've never really experienced long-term depression, but I've, I've experienced it through others. I am not depressed. I'm quiet, and it's, it's nice. It's very nice. This is part of the winding down process for you? I suspect it is. This depth, in many ways, is beyond words. What's the line from Les Miserables? There's a grief that can't be spoken. It's not grief. But it's something that's very difficult to explain, but it's not hard to experience. One of the gifts of ALS has been that I could see the future on the horizon. It's the 
the train wreck that's coming. And you know the train doesn't have any brakes. So uh, the fact that you have that, on one level, it could scare you to death. But on another level, it allows you to, it's that discipline of preparing and being ready and experiencing it to its, its fullest level. And um, I think that's what this quiet is, is more of the experience, a new facet to the experience, and something that I think over time will actually result in the ultimate quiet. Do you think this is the last step toward that ultimate quiet, meaning, obviously, death? I, I have no way of knowing. I, I still feel that I have much to give and much to offer. I just don't know. But what I do know is that this is, it's new, and it feels like it's right, and it's okay. That's Bruce Kramer. On the next installment of Living While Dying, an ALS story, one of the most remarkable birthday gifts of Bruce Kramer's life.